0: You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investors resource. Today's guest is a true inspiration for men and women around the world. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Well Show. Ashley Wilson has been involved in more than $60 million in real estate transactions, starting by renting out rooms in her home. She's also the co-founder of Bar Down Investments and best-selling author of The Only Woman in the Room. She's also an active member of the real estate investor community. And she's here with us today on The Real Wealth Show. So Ashley, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here and I don't know how it hasn't happened yet. (laughs) um, But let's just start with how you got started in, in real estate and how that's led to you inspiring so many other women to do the same.
1: I started in real estate approximately 10 years ago. My husband and I were looking for a way in which we could diversify our retirement strategy Thus, when we started in real estate, it was not with the intention of becoming full-time real estate investors. In fact, it was the complete opposite. It was a way in which we had something different than the regular stocks and bonds type of retirement strategy. So we looked at different ways in which we can invest our money um, that we were making from our W-2s, and we kept landing on real estate as a really good asset class to invest in. We started with house hacking and single-family um, short-term rentals, and obviously over time that's progressed to a lot more. And we became full-time real estate investors. I left my W-2 um, a little over six years ago to be a full-time investor, and my husband retired from his career uh, about three years ago to become a full-time real estate investor. So today it's everything we live and breathe real estate, but. We never in our wildest dreams thought that when we first got started.
0: See, it can be done. That's, it's very exciting. All right. So let's explain house hacking. What was that and and how did you do it? So house hacking
1: is a really interesting concept. And I think when the more and more I talk to different real estate investors, the more and more I realize how many people use this as their parlay into real estate investing, not wholesaling or flipping, but house hacking is the first, you know, dip your toes in the water type of um, strategy. So what it involves is if you own a residence, um, you can even rent, you know, a two bedroom and rent out part of that space to offset your expenses. So if on a single family home, if you own a single family home, your expenses would be offset by someone else paying rent and that could offset your mortgage you can even cash flow on top of that so there's a lot of benefits to renting out your space and for anyone who says well i'm at a different stage in my life than she probably was 10 years ago uh we have house hacked our entire relationship my husband and i <laughs> through dating engagement marriage children renovation up until just three months ago so if we can go through all of those stages house hacking the entire time now we've had different people living with us um mainly uh friends and family um you know anyone can really do it
0: uh, that's exactly how rich and i did it we bought a house that had uh, it's in the book as you probably know but yeah. um we were able to turn the office into a little studio. It had a separate entrance and it the house actually came with an in-law unit. So we made that a separate unit. And when things got really rough, we, we rented out the master bedroom because it had a separate entrance and we turned the closet into a kitchen. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's amazing how um resourceful you can be. We never, we house hack just like you through the raising the kids. And up until we moved to Malibu where we couldn't afford much except a one bedroom and there was only room for us. And it was like, wow, this is interesting to not have anybody else living (laughs) with us. Uh, So, and now we're doing it again because we uh, got a a house that now has a guest house and we're, we're airbnb that, but never sharing the space. I don't, I didn't want anyone in my refrigerator, but there's ways to do that. What about you? Did you have people sharing your living room and your kitchen? At different
1: stages, we've had different, um, setups. So when we first started, we actually, uh, long story short is my husband used to be a professional athlete. And because of that, his teammates would need a place to live during the season. So we would have his teammates live with us. So when we first started, we, um, had one kitchen, um, and we, uh, kind of started, I guess, a little bit differently because we would purchase a home wherever he was playing so that we could make money basically off of the teammates in a sense, because, and it would offset, um, you know, the place that we, we lived in. But then as we've you had a bunch of hockey players living with you all the time, <laughs> yes, that's very funny. Always a party at our place. So it, it was pretty like socks all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we we were very careful who we picked to live with us. We learned very quickly there are really good people to live with and there are not so good people to live with. So, um, you know, it wasn't too bad. But over the years, we've had different setups. Most recently, we created a whole apartment suite in our basement. So my brother and his wife uh, were living with us. And one way that we offset our expenses was we traded off instead of them paying rent we bought a fixer-upper. So we have literally renovated our entire house. And my brother grew up with, you know, my brother and I grew up together and my dad's a general contractor. So my brother can really do anything with a house. So he put in all of the labor um, into the renovation of the house. So that offset our expenses because, I mean, we've done soup to nuts on this house uh it doesn't look anything like what we originally purchased but that was a benefit for us but it was also a benefit for him because he saved all of his cash and he just would
0: put in time over the weekend Oh my gosh we did that too we we had a friend (laughs) in 2008 that um was expecting a million dollar check in the mail kid you not he was waiting for his million dollar check and we actually celebrated before we got a limo and drove around celebrating that he had a million dollar check coming in the mail because he had renovated a very high-end hotel then lehman brothers collapsed and the bank failed and he did not get the check so he went from a millionaire to nothing in about a day and um, ended up coming and living in our guest house. And we let him live there for free in exchange for fixing it up. And it was just kind of a win-win. So I love that. Another thing we would have people with same friends with same age kids. And so if, if when they went to work, when uh, our friend was a musician. So when he would go to work, we would watch his kids. And when we would go to work, he'd watch ours. So we saved on, on babysitting as well. You know, we didn't have to have a nanny. Have you, have you ever done something like that?
1: We haven't done that with kids. We haven't had anyone move in with kids. Um, I, I wouldn't say we would never do it because we've, we've done a lot of things that I thought I would say we would never do, (laughs) but we clearly have done it. Um, but we have done it with four legged kids. Um, so we've, um, we've shared on dog walking and, um, you know, we travel a lot, so in terms of dog sitting and being able to leverage someone else living there and taking care of your animal and vice versa, going away, that's saved on our expenses as well. But we haven't um, we haven't had kids in uh, a family with kids
0: yet. Okay. All right. So now you buy large apartment buildings. So how did you get from this house hacking, having a bunch of hockey players living in your house? <laughs> to uh to running um a bunch of i mean how many units do you have now we have 600 ah. units
1: right now in the multifamily side um so um it did not happen overnight clearly <laughs> I should hope not <laughs> <laughs> it takes a long time to learn and what we do is we're pretty methodical in the way that we uh go about exploring a new venture what we do is we're very intentional about educating ourselves and providing as much of a foundation on knowledge. And that's through listening to podcasts, reading books, um, looking things up online and networking. Those are the main tactics we use to uh, learn as much as we can about a specific asset class. And we determine whether or not it fits our lifestyle at the time and our investment strategy. And then we look at pursuing it. So in reality, um, what we did was, I think it was about three, may have been even longer than that, three three or so years ago, four years ago, um, we have formal... Um, planning meetings, life planning meetings. uh, My husband and I do every six months. And at one of these planning meetings, we threw every single asset class up on the board. We were already flipping. We had done short-term rentals and long-term single family rentals, but we were really looking to explore into a different asset class. And we threw every idea up on this board. And this took us three months to do, by the way, this wasn't just something we did in one planning session. So we... Through every idea up on the board and then we um decided between the two of us whether or not we were individually in favor of it or not and we narrowed all of those so it started with 12 ideas and we narrowed those down to a short list meaning that we both were in favor of pursuing that idea further. So that got us down to about five or six different asset classes to pursue. And from there, we then divided it in half. And we were responsible for finding the pros about something and the cons about a different asset class. And we went through it very methodically and tried to poke holes in every single strategy and landed on multifamily. that was an asset class that fit our lifestyle, it fit our financial goals, it fit our bandwidth. Um, and from there, that's when we started really ramping up uh, learning as much as possible and putting ourselves in situations where we could learn from other people by partnering and also looking to
0: acquire a multifamily on our own. So, what, how many? did you start with more single family till you jumped into multi or did you just jump right into it?
1: No, we had. So after our short-term rentals and long-term rentals, my father and I six years ago started a flipping business. So we flip primarily higher end homes. And because I grew up with my dad as a general contractor, I know a lot about construction and in the pursuit of learning more about multifamily and looking for partnership opportunities there was a group that was acquiring a property with almost a two million dollar renovation and no one on their team knew anything about construction oh boy (laughs) so it was perfect for me to step in and help them on the construction management side what it turned into is um I also absorbed the asset management responsibility as well. So um, I learned kind of in the mix of it. You know, I learned day to day what asset management entailed um, while I was doing the construction management. So the construction management never was very fearful. I I wasn't really afraid of the construction management side. I know most people are the opposite. Most people are fearful of the construction side and not on the asset management. I was the reverse because I knew construction management, but I didn't know asset management. So I learned um, every single day, I just peppered the uh, asset manager with, or excuse me, the property manager with questions. And I kept asking every single thing I could possibly think of also to learn from the ground up because I had never, I mean, I'd done a couple single rentals, but I hadn't rented, you know, 124 unit complex, which is what we were, were renting at the time, you know, so it was a very large complex and understanding it on a completely different level and scale and, uh, rubs. So billing back utilities to the tenants, that was a new concept for me. There were so many things that I had, I didn't know what I didn't know was bottom line. So I I spent hours, hundreds of hours educating myself on this new part of uh, real estate investing. And from there, I think I just became known because I started talking to more and more people. And I realized how few people were truly asset managing their properties. They were really relying very heavily on the property management company to manage them. So I think I started to get a reputation of knowing asset management and construction management, um, which snowballed into people seeking us out to operate their properties for them. And well,
0: yes, I'm going to stop you there for a minute because there's so much in what you just said. First of all, Uh, It's amazing that there was a team that was going to do a $2 million uh, renovation with no one on the team that knew how to do that. So did they find you before they purchased or after? (laughs) No, they found
1: me after they purchased. And I knew one of the partners before. So I had a pretty long relationship with one of the partners before. What's more interesting is how many people after that approached me about running asset and construction management with no one on their team. I would say, oh. um, safely 70 groups within six months, um, who all had properties under contract. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. I educate people today, um, on, if someone came to me today and said, I want to invest a million dollars with you, I would tell them a hundred reasons why they shouldn't invest a million dollars with just one person. You want to diversify your strategy. You want to diversify asset class. You want to diversify operating groups that, you know, and markets. I mean, there's so many reasons why you should diversify, but um, I'm also a huge proponent for A deal can be an incredible deal, but if you have a mediocre team, that deal will not stand on its own, and vice versa. You can take a mediocre deal and have an incredible team, and that deal can, that team can make that deal. Incredible. So I really think as passive investors, you should really look and do a deep dive into the team, more so the deal in the market. Most people look at the returns first, then they look at the market, then they look at the team, and it should be the complete opposite. You should be looking at the team first, the market second, and then the deal third. Um, the team is the most important component. So if you have a deal where there is a massive amount of construction management that is needed on that deal, there's someone, there should a hundred percent be someone within the operations that has construction management experience. And what I always say, you don't have to invest with me just because I know construction management, but you should invest with someone who does know construction management because ultimately, you can't own a single family house for one year without having some sort of construction need come up, some sort of maintenance. So extrapolate that over a hundred plus units over a three to five year hold period, I can guarantee you will need someone with construction knowledge to be able to manage that asset, even if it's brand new construction. So um, it's nothing to be fearful of, it's just to be cognizant of and seek people out who possess
0: those attributes. Yeah. And where do you find someone like that? I mean, it, did you actually work for your dad or you just grew up around it and, and saw him? So I grew up around my dad,
1: uh, doing it. And I, I feel like it's, it's kind of ironic that my dad's in construction. My mom was in uh, project management and I'm a construct managed construction. <laughs> it's like the best of both worlds.
0: That's, it's rare. So, I mean, it's really, I mean, there, there are construction man- management companies that you can hire, correct? Uh, but it's, you're investing in a large deal someone needs to be on the team i found that so many times where people would bring deals to real wealth and want to partner with us and and they had a lot of critical thinking skills and and uh, they could they could definitely work a spreadsheet but they hadn't actually done it physically themselves and there's so much more to it than just looking at a, a computer screen right you can't just sit there and analyze something and and not really know what things actually cost and and how much it costs to fix, right? Absolutely, and not even
1: understanding just the cost of it, but also understanding how a cost is determined. So within construction, it always boils down to two factors, labor and materials and if you look at basic economics labor will be dictated the pricing will be dictated based off of supply and demand so if you have a very heavy workforce um so the supply of the workforce is very high but the demand is low then the cost is low and vice versa and you if you understand that principle you can you can better estimate going to different markets Also, when it comes to materials, material sourcing is critical in terms of determining the cost. If I am looking to do a project that has a lot of carpentry involved in it, that price is going to be a lot steeper in a market like Dallas or Austin compared to a market like Philadelphia. Why? Well, timber is coming from the North. So the freight charge associated with shipping lumber materials is going to be a lot cheaper in the North than it will be in the South because obviously there's there's a heavier supply of it. It really just comes down to basic economics, once again, on material sourcing. So there's components like that. There's components like how to manage contractors. And there's also the component of the perspective of, where someone's coming from. You can obviously hire a third-party construction management group. And when you're doing a heavy project with a lot of intricacies involved, I think it's good to work with a group like that that has an in-house construction manager. But you also, too, should still have someone on the ownership team that knows it. On smaller projects, you can manage it yourself. The reason why I think that it's still critical to have someone is because we are both motivated by different things. The construction management company, their fee is associated directly with the cost of the overall construction. They are not motivated by decreasing that construction cost nor um, decreasing the timeline because they don't see it as, you know, they don't evaluate ROT. Yeah, Yeah, it's no benefit to them. good for them. Exactly. So I think having someone be an extra set of eyes and ears on the project is critical for the investment itself. Because at the end of the day, my number one client or my number one person that I'm answering to and protecting is the investors. And they, they're just looking out for us, but that's, you know, one arm's length away from the investor. So I'm closer to the investor and therefore my actions that govern the decisions that I make are going to be in the investor's favor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's, that's great clarification. Thank you. So, um, we met, where did we meet? We met in Seattle, maybe. We met. Oh no, for we were the first time at Dave Van Horn's event. Yeah. Mid Atlantic. Yeah. So I was so happy to be able to meet you at that event and sit at the same table and get to know you. And um, and and when I started, there were very few women in the industry. Having an expertise in construction management is really not—you don't see a lot of women in that. So it's it's, but it seems like it's such a natural fit because you are. Um, you are so detail oriented. You ask a lot of questions. You're great at management. You've raised kids. <laughs> <I> mean, just <laughs> being able to do that means you should be able to manage anything. <laughs> um, so it was just really, it's been really a pleasure to get to see more and mer- more women come forth with their incredible skills and inspire other women. So then I was especially excited when you came to me to be a co-author of your book, uh, The Only Woman in the Room. And that you found a lot of women who are coming forth with their great skills. How, how many authors are in that book? There are twenty of us total. So great. And it became a bestseller right away on Amazon. Um, so what advice would you give to other women who are maybe just so busy raising the kids and working and taking care of every, you know, we're caretakers generally speaking. So, Um, What kind of advice would you give so that they could also be able to build their career in real estate?
1: So a little long-winded, but right now COVID has negatively impacted women more than men across the United States um, to a very disruptive tune over all of the progress that we've made over the past decade. A lot of economists are saying that the All of the strides that we have made as a gender uh, progressing are, you know, and eliminating the divide between the wage gap um, has ultimately kind of been eliminated. So if you look at metrics, like for example, in September, 1.1 million people left the workforce across the United States, 865,000 of them were women. That's really staggering statistics. And, unfortunately, women, because we're we're paid less, uh, tend to default as the caretaker, you know, as you just um, definitely uh, hit the nail on the head there, um, pointed out, but the, the situation, and we were on a panel together where I said, you know, every challenge is an opportunity, and that's where I'm looking at this situation right now. You have the opportunity, whether you're you know, you've had to forego your career to stay at home and be the primary caretaker by your choice or by, you know, someone else's choice. But there's an opportunity now that presents itself that you can take control of your financial freedom. Real estate provides so many different avenues to get financial freedom. And the only challenge that I find in real estate and when I I talk to other people is staying focused because you can make money in so many different asset classes in real estate. So it's very hard to stay focused because it's a shiny object syndrome and you see people making money doing all different things. But if you pick a specific asset class, stick to it, you can really gain a lot of financial freedom. I think in terms of finding the time, that is a very, very good question. And it's one that a lot of people struggle with. It's not easy. No one's promising you that this is a get rich quick scheme, that this is an easy endeavor. It's going to take some nights after the kids are going to bed, late nights, early mornings to really gear up, learn um, what you want to do first and foremost and what fits with your lifestyle, but also to find partners that can help you achieve your goals. So it doesn't mean that if you want to invest in real estate, you have to learn how to um, you know, build a house or do renovation, but you can leverage some other component that you have and partner with people. Um, people ask me all the time how they can partner with me. And it doesn't necessarily have to be real estate related. If they say to me, Ashley, you know, your social media can use a revamp. I would really love to trade my skills of, updating your social media for you spending time and educating me on house hacking, for example. Um, you know, would you be willing to do that lead with value as opposed to leading with what your shortfall is? And I think opportunity will
0: follow. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. That's, I did so much bartering and trading back when I was starting out and, and, uh, it works, it works, networking and being able to offer what you can offer. So, um, oh such, such good stuff. I hate to wrap up, but we're just at that time where we need to. So let's, I'm going to have to have you back because there's so much more to talk about, but let's just wrap up for now with um, some of the challenges that you, some of the challenges that you have faced and um, have you overcome those and the lessons you've learned? I have faced a lot of
1: challenges and I think people have reality and then they have their Instagram life, so to speak. And people think that you know, the highlight reel, what people post on social media is what people are going through, but that couldn't be further from the truth. So I have had really difficult partners that I've had to figure out how to work in different, um, different partnerships and how to get out in a positive Way instead of spoiling the whole concept of partnering in my mind. Um, Also to challenges with construction, trying to figure out problems that come up at the 11th hour. Um, Also to funding, finding funding resources. I mean, any and everything you can possibly think of. I have had that challenge, but I think challenges show you that you're progressing. If you constantly are facing the exact same challenge, that to me is an indicator that you really aren't progressing on your journey. So think of challenges as really just a way in which you're building up your toolbox and it's giving you more resources to utilize when you face that situation in the future.
0: Mm, that is so good. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. You've got to learn. I have some new investors that just want to complain about everything, even the smallest things, like a a tenant that has to be evicted. Well, that just comes with the territory, right? If you can't handle that, then get out of the business. <laughs> you don't belong in it. Um, but you know, it is these things that we learn from in and, and that example. Wow, what what went wrong? Did we get the, you know, didn't we not do enough due diligence on this tenant? Um, or did we not have enough reserves in place and, and didn't expect that there might be an eviction in in a world called real estate where you have people who are renting and sometimes things happen. Uh, so yeah, very, very good to just pay attention, learn and know that if you don't learn the lesson, it's probably gonna come back to you again. Absolutely, <laughs> couldn't agree more. <laughs> oh, so good. And so, I mean, really what I heard from that is one of the top skills for being a good, successful real estate investor in the end is you have to be a great problem solver. Yes,
1: to. I completely agree. And I always say to someone, I, I don't know the answer to everything by far. and wouldn't even pretend to know the answer to everything, but I feel comfortable in saying that I know how to find someone who does know the answer. So I am not bashful at all on asking questions questions. There's no shame in my game. I will ask until I find the answer. And, um, even if someone doesn't know the answer, I ask, okay, well, do you know someone who might know, you know, it's amazing. If you just follow up with that second question, how many people say, I don't think I I don't know someone. And then, you know, two days later you get an email and the person said, (laughs) oh, I thought about it a little bit more. And I actually know this person, you might want to reach out to them. So it's really critical to constantly ask and give back to as well. You know, when people ask you questions help as well.
0: A hundred percent. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ashley, it has been such a pleasure to have you here. I hope that I get to see you somewhere in the world sometime soon. Me too. Um, (laughs) But in the meanwhile, I'm wishing you the best and, um, and I, I, you'll continue to be an inspiration to me and to the many other women that will be inspired by your book.
1: Thank you so much for having me on again, Kathy. I really appreciate it.
0: And thank you for joining me here on The Real Well Show. If you would like to dig in and learn more about how to become a real estate investor, we have so much free education and modules and webinars on our website at realwealthshow.com. You'll also find resources like referrals to property teams across the country in the Markets that have the highest cash flow and best potential for appreciation. You just click on the invest tab and you'll see a drop down with a whole bunch of data to help you on your investing journey. Thanks again so much for joining me here on The Real Well Show. We'll see you next time.